the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We are the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. We are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Jim Clark, and we are inviting you to call in with your questions, comments, and concerns. Our toll-free number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 1-888-367-5329. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone and let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Have you ever felt like your life is more akin to a war zone than a tranquil oasis? Well, if that's you, fear not. There is hope for you because tonight we are bringing you part 22 in our series entitled Peace in the Battle. Oftentimes, when we hear the word battlefield, we quickly envision a literal battlefield with bombs going off and machine gun fire all around. Soldiers running, people screaming, and chaos all around. But have you ever considered that there is an intense battle raging in our thoughts on a daily basis, a battlefield of the mind? But don't despair. There is some good news in the midst of this battlefield. To find out about this and much, much more, stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you doing tonight? Brother Jim, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction, and thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, on Contending for the Faith. And thank uh, everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know you're going to be blessed by our program tonight. And we've been doing this series for a long time, talking about peace in the battlefield. And we have uh, talked about uh, there are five ways you can be afflicted when you lack the peace of God. And that is so true. We talked about the spiritual affliction, the emotional affliction, mental affliction, physical affliction. And then we said from the physical affliction, there are seven ways you can be afflicted. And sleepless nights, that's one. Uh, Being easily irritated, that's two. Eating disorders, that's three. Suicidal acts, and that's four, five, immoral Uh, Acts, that's five. And then number six, drunkenness. We uh, think we could drown ourselves away with our uh, drunkenness. And then we said number seven, I'm going to continue on that, talking about strife and division. Strife and division. And we know that strife and divisions started long, long ago uh, in heaven with Satan and all of his Uh, angels that turned against God, strife and division. Then he took that division right into the Garden of Eden, and he's taken that division to humanity and to the churches, to marriages, to families, and to uh, all sorts of people. And this strife and division is going on in our world today with so much killing, 
killing everywhere you turn. And Satan is a murderer. He's behind all of this stuff, manipulating and controlling mankind to do so evil things. Now, let me ask you a trivia question. The trivia question is this. When was the first time in the New Testament church where strife and division was created by Satan on a large scale? And that's a great question. You know, uh, when you look back at the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit was moving upon the church with purity and uh, with power and with unity and with sanctification and holiness and righteousness. And the Holy Spirit came upon the church like a rushing mighty wind and saving souls, and people were exercising their gifts and their talents. And Satan hated that. See, he, every time you're on a mountaintop, he wants to take you down in the valley to discourage you, to uh, get you into a state of depression and withdrawal. Don't let the devil do that to you, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, my friend. And uh, But when we get back to this uh, trivia question, it's a powerful question. When did the first attack of Satan upon the church on a large scale? And, you know, Jesus had prayed. He prayed in John 17. That's the real Lord's Prayer. You know, in Matthew chapter 6 is the disciples' prayer. I was teaching my students that. And we make a grave mistake thinking that uh, our Father which art in heaven is the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. Make a note of that. The real Lord's Prayer is in John 17. And Jesus prayed in that prayer, Father, I pray that they will be one as you and I are one, one accord. And we see that uh, when people are not in unity with God, in unity with the Holy Spirit, and uh, this is always uh, interests me that uh, the Lord has a way when people are not walking in purity. Notice how this rhymes, purity and unity, purity and unity. Then the Lord will expose the hypocrisy. Whatever's done in the dark, it'll come to the light. And you remember Moses said way back there in Numbers 32 and 23, if you will not do so, you've sinned against the Lord, and be sure (laughs) your sins will find you out. And they are finding people out all over the world today. When Jeffrey Epstein, when you hear about those things in his life, you hear about the politicians and pastors and churches falling and laypersons falling in churches and people falling all over the world, it's because their sins are finding them out. You just can't get away from God. My friend, I don't care how smart you think you are. He's too tall to climb over. He's too wide to get around. And he's too low to get under. You might as well face the Lord and confess your sins and turn to him. He's the only answer. So the trivia question, when was the first attack upon the church on a large scale and when they were all on one accord? See, because when they were on one accord, the scripture says the Lord kept 
adding to the church daily. And there's so much division and strife in the churches today that the Lord can't add to the church like he wants to because there's so much strife and division. And the world, when they see the church acting like the world, they want nothing to do with it. Are you listening to me tonight? Now, the first attack upon the church on a large scale was with uh, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And we see there that the uh, Apostle Peter, uh, he had the gift of uh, knowledge and the gift of wisdom, and he also had a discerning of spirits. And when he saw Simon the sorcerer, he rebuked him. And when he dealt with Ananias and Sapphira, he rebuked them. (laughs) We need in our churches today people uh, who have who are exercising the gifts in the body of Christ, so they can discern things. You know what what happens today? There's so much fornication, adultery, and lesbianism and homosexuality going on in the church. No wonder why the church is powerless, because they're not like Peter rebuking sin out of the church. And uh, the Bible says judgment begins in the house of God. If you don't judge, God will judge you along with the sinner. Now, I want you to understand this now. This was the first defect in Acts chapter 5 in the early church. Prior to that, the Holy Spirit was moving, blessings coming, and here's the devil come to sow discord, to cause people to get more into money greed than need. And isn't that our world today? People into greed more than need. And this was the first defect of the church that took place in Acts chapter 5. And uh, when Ananias fell dead, uh, his wife was not even aware of it, you know, until later. And then she fell dead. We better be glad that we're living under grace today because God would be dropping so many people dead in the churches today that leaders would be doing funerals every day of the week, not just once a month, once every week, every day with church folks, you see. And so uh, we see here uh, that Peter confronted them living a lie. And living hypocrisy. See, that's what God will not tolerate is hypocrisy in the church. And so you need to do several things with hypocrisy. You need to, number one, repent of this. Because all that you have belong to God, even the money that you have. And then you need to pray. And then you need to put sin out of the church, out of your life, out of the church. See, that's what God did. In the Old Testament, he said, remove the sin out of the camp, or I'm going to judge everybody in the camp. And see, and then we need to pray for unity and oneness. Now, I'm going to say this in conclusion, and you may want to write this down. Uh, I'm going to give you an acronym for unity. Make a note of this now. An acronym for unity. Now, the U stands for in unity, uplift people. Uplift them. Don't tear people down. Build people up. And 
Build them up in love. You know, that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. Don't you know that 1 Corinthians 12 talk about the uh, gifts of the Spirit, and 1 Corinthians 14 talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and then he has in the middle love. Love should, should always be in the middle, middle of the church, middle of a marriage, middle of everything, because that's the thing that keeps everything together is love and unity. And so we need to understand this. Now, the N in the acronym for unity stands for need. Always think about the people's needs over you. That's why I like the the word joy. I look at it as J stands for Jesus, O stands for others, and Y stands for you. And Jesus said, he that is first shall be last, and he that is last shall be first. Recognize and acknowledge our personal needs uh, in God and the personal responsibility for others' needs. And God will supply all those needs, what he said in Philippians 4 and 19. Now, the I in the acronym for unity stands for, for integrity. We need that in our lives. We need that in the churches. We need that in our marriages. We need that in our homes. We need that amongst our children. We need that in the government. We need it from the White House to the ranch house and to the church house and to those who have no house. We need to be living lives of holiness and purity and unity and righteousness There's so many people today uh, so caught up into the second coming of Christ that probably when Christ comes back, they're going to miss going back with him because they're not living lives of integrity and righteousness and holiness and godliness and purity and unity. And uh, that's why uh, John tells us in 1 John that uh, we are to walk in the light as he is in the light and we will have fellowship one with another. The dictionary defines integrity as a state of being that is complete or unified. We need to maintain our integrity, like Joseph, in the midst of prosperity. Notice how all of this sounds. Maintain our integrity in the midst of prosperity. Maintain our integrity in the midst of adversity. And maintain our integrity in the midst of poverty. Did you get that now? That's profound. Now, The T in the acronym for unity stands for uh, trust. Uh, When there is integrity, the child of God is willing to trust God and trust one another. And, you know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We need to trust in the Lord. And the reason why we are living lives of defeat is because in the body of Christ is too many church folks being controlled by feelings and emotions. We need to be controlled by the Spirit and controlled by trust and controlled by integrity. Maintain uh, all of these things, and we need to be people of trust, trusting one another and trusting, the, the exercising the spiritual gifts and talents and fulfilling those, you know, that's so important for us to do. And we need to uh, trust people even to the point of 
of believing in others and working together with trust even to the point of death. Now, the why for unity stands for yielding, yielding. There are two areas of our lives requires yielding. Number one, we yield to the Lordship of Christ. That will knock strife and division out of our lives. Remember I said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in the midst of strife and division in the early church because the church was into carnality. And do a word study on the word Lord. And you will find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the word Lord mentioned over and over and over and over because they were not under the rulership, the ownership, and the stewardship, and all of the ships of God. And you see, that's so important. And then, so we need to yield to the Lordship of Christ and submit to the Lordship because you know what? That, you know, Jesus told us in Matthew 7 that in that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this and do that? And he will profess to them, I never knew you because you know what? Because you didn't do his will under the Lordship. It's not enough to say, I believe in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. You need to be obedient to the Lordship of Christ and walking in that obedience. Number two, Jesus gives us power and authority and the capacity to yield to one another in the glorious cause of sharing the gospel with each other in a community. The driving call is that the world may know him. We should be willing to yield our selfish desires to the greater goals of extending the love of Christ to a lost world. And I want to say this in closing. Uh, You know, we... Uh, need to build a sense of hedge and protection of unity in our lives, in our marriages, in our churches. And uh, there was a story uh, told one time about uh, several centuries ago, ancient China uh, wanted to secure the borders from its northern invaders. They built a great wall of uh, protection of that border and it was so long, and it was so big, and and they even had chariots on top of it. And they said, there's no way that anybody can invade this. <laughs> Do you not know that somebody was able to invade it by uh, bribing the gatekeepers? And they were able to get in and self-destruct it three times, Great China, Don't you know that that is a parallel to us letting the devil into our homes and into our lives and into our churches? Once he gets an inch, he will go a mile. You need to shut the door on Satan. You need to not let him invade in your life, in your churches, in your marriage, in your homes, in your prayer life, in your Bible study, in everything. I'm calling upon all those who are hearing me tonight to not let disunity, strife, and division come in your life. You need to be committed to the Lord's Prayer in John 17 and pray these two Ps. And these two Ps will knock hypocrisy and give it a black eye. Pray for these two Ps. Number one, pray for a purging in your life. And then number two, the second P, pray for purifying in your life. And he that has an ear... 
let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding this thing of unity. Brother Jim. Amen, Dr. Buckner. Well, we've got to take a break to have our sponsors better serve you. And in the meantime, why don't you give us a call so we could talk about your peace in the battle. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. My name is Jim Clark. I'm in the studio with Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we are doing part 22 on peace in the battle. For those of you that may be joining us right now, but we want to begin this segment like we usually do by thanking everyone who has been diligently in prayer for Contending for the Faith. Without your prayers and financial support, we would not have been on the air for so many years. We also want to thank those who gave this week, uh, C.R. Charles, an anonymous donor, Sophia, Bridget, Jerry and Nancy, Jackie, Michael, and William. It costs us $400 a week to stay on the air, and we are listener-supported, so we really need your help. Right now, we are $127 short for this week's program. If you have been blessed by this program and Dr. Buckner's teachings, won't you partner with us financially? There are two ways to donate. You can send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Or you can simply go onto your computer to contendingfaith.org, that's contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button. And once again, Dr. Buckner is always busy teaching, and uh, he has another seminar coming up called What Does It Mean to Be an Extreme Disciple? Part 2. So, and for those of you that want information on this, it's a, uh, the class is What Does It Mean to Be an Extreme Disciple? will be taught by Dr. Jerry L. Buckner at the East Bay Baptist Association building located at 1221 Pacific Avenue in San Leandro. That's 1221 Pacific Avenue in San Leandro, and the zip code there is 94577 for those who want to punch that into your GPS. The class will meet from September 9th through October 7th. Once again, that's September 9th through October, uh, October 7th. In this five-week class, Dr. Buckner will teach us how most Christians, even many in the church, have never been taught about what it means to be a, a true extreme disciple of Christ. They believe that once you become a Christian, everything stops there. You will discover in this class that Jesus challenges us to be ex- an extreme disciple and that even one's eternity is based on this. If you are interested in this class, please contact Dr. Jerry L. Buckner at 415 415- Seven two one one seven seven eight, or you can email him at JLB. That's Jerry L. Buckner, CFTF, contending for the faith at Comcast.net. Once again, that's four one five seven two one one seven seven eight, and the email is JLBCFTF at Comcast.net. So we are always encouraged when we receive notes of encouragement from our listeners. We like to share these inspiring notes with you, the listening audience. We got one from Sophia who writes, Dear Dr. Buckner and Gary, Contending for the faith, I had to look up what contending means. It had uh, had made my understanding of the Bible so much bigger. I feel God's love in a way I never knew before. Dr. Buckner, You are so knowing of the word and explain it in clear ways and with a very human feelings. I feel a part of God's family, and I feel for the first time in my life that I am going, uh, or I'm sorry, that I am good the way I am. 
I don't have to be someone else to make people like me because God loves me as I am. You teach me that. Uh, I'm sorry, you teach me that. Thank you so much, and God bless you, Sophia. That's, that's, I mean, that's really good. It really is. (laughs) We get so blessed by encouraging letters like that. Yes. Uh, We have another anonymous donor that gave this week, said that he was edified by Contending for the Faith's podcasts. And uh, by the way, many of you may not know that you can go to KFAX AM 1100 on your computer. That's KFAX AM 1100. And you can hit the podcast button and listen to all of the previous Contending for the Faith programs. And uh, that is a great thing for those of you that may have been traveling and maybe missed the podcast. It's awesome. So, Dr. Buckner. Amen. Thank you, Jim, uh, for always a good job in the Lord. We appreciate you. And uh, we're going to get to our callers. I know we're getting close to a commercial, so we'll have a little time at least to probably get to the question, and then we can maybe answer it in a little bit. Well, speaking of Sophia, she's on the line. Sophia, are you there? Oh, yes, I am here. How are you doing? You must have your, your uh, radio on. Yeah, turn yes, down. I turned the radio off. It's all off. Oh, good. Oh, good. Now we're on equal ground. All yes, right. I'm so happy. You know, I have to tell you, it takes me all week to, to study your openings because they're so wonderful. That, and tonight was no except, 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 whatever the word exception. is. Exception. Exception, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. It, was, it was fabulous. I know people are saying, oh, no, not that woman again. She sounds like Dracula's daughter. Someone told me that. They said, you sound like Dracula's daughter. I say, I don't know who she is, but maybe I like the way she sounds. <laughs> now, um, I get to my question real fast, and then, you know, we could take the break. Now, my question is, my husband tells me that uh, water baptism is just a Jewish thing. He says it's called the M-I-K-V-E-H. And it's just something that the old Jews did uh, to uh, cleanse, like after uh, their period or sex or a dead person they touch, and that it doesn't mean anything. And yet, and I've heard a preacher say, oh, it's, it's legalism. But then Jesus told John the Baptist, I need to be to fulfill all righteousness from Matthew 3.15. Let it be so now it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So my question is, can we be saved without, are we not righteous if we haven't been baptized? Well, that's a good question. The thing is, um, we, be, well, let me just say this about a, a vampire thing, what you were saying, too. Uh, it's all right to sound like a vampire as long as you're not uh, sucking blood, you know. So <laughs> I, I couldn't resist that one right there. <clears throat> Amen. You always get good to have a sense of humor. But, oh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> but I want to say this, that, uh, there are examples of people in the Bible that got saved separate from baptism. And, uh, oh. you know, when Jesus said you must be born again, he didn't say you must be born again by being baptized. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're born again by faith and trust in the Lord. And this fits into Romans 10 and 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then you also see uh, the one of the thieves on the cross and he never had the chance to be baptized. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. And you probably want to look at Acts chapter 10. Because there, Cornelius, who was a Gentile, uh, especially when you look at verses 44 through 48, 
And it says, While Peter yet uh, spake these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcised which believed were astonished. And many came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. He, Peter was blown away with this. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So baptism is something that you do after you've been saved, and it is a symbol and a picture of us being uh, symbolically buried with Christ, and then when we come up from the water, when we go down the water, it symbolizes we've been buried with him, but when we come up, it symbolizes being resurrected with him. But it, it's not something by which you get saved. There are some groups that try to teach that, but mm-hmm. uh, from a biblical perspective, it's it's uh, weak. Oh, okay, but it, but you you like you think we should be baptized? And, but yeah, you because it's the Holy a, Spirit without the baptism. Yeah, yeah, you should be. You, first of all, I believe that a person in a church should, when they acknowledge Jesus Christ, they are saved. And what they should do in churches, each church does things differently. In our church, we simply take people through a discipleship class. And then we train, we teach them about what baptism mean, and, uh, and along with their salvation, because they've already been saved, but it's an act of obedience. Uh, and uh, so we teach them uh, what it means to be baptized. So when they get baptized, they appreciate the significance of it and the symbolism of it. And so people need to be educated on that because a lot of people are not educated, and they think that water baptism is a means of salvation. There are some groups that teach this, like the Pentecostal oneness, that you got to be baptized to be saved and speak in tongue. So that's uh, important for us to know. Oh, well, thank you so much, Dr. Buckley. Now I, now I know, so I tell my husband that too. Very good. Well, thank you for the good question. You always have some good questions. Well, thank you, Dr. Buckley. God bless you and Gary too. All right. Sure enough. And, okay, and Jim, too. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right. Uh, maybe we have enough time to get Rick's question. Is Rick next? Uh, Brother Rick, are you there? I'm alive and kicking. All right. That's a good thing. Well, we have about a minute, so we're going to get your question, and then what, what we're going to do is come back from after the commercial break, and I'll try to address that. What's your question? Okay. In Catholicism, they say children are accountable for their sins from the time of their birth. In the New Testament, is there anything that says the opposite, that the children up to a certain age are accountable. Oh, that's a good, very good question. Very good question. And I think people really need to hear this one. This is a very good one because there's a lot of debate on that subject, That uh, especially from Catholicism perspective. And I know, Jim, you'll be able to add some things to what I say as well after I kind of say some things from a biblical perspective. So I think we're right, right before a commercial break. And so we'll go to that, and then when we come back, we'll address your question. All right. Well, if we, if we advance our engineer's attention, we're going to go ahead and go to that break now, and then we'll come back and answer that question. So once again, for the listening audience out there, if you've got a question for Dr. Buckner about peace in the battle, we'd like to hear from you after this break. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. My name is Jim Clark, and I'm in the studio with Dr. Jerry L. Buckner taking your calls and discussing peace in the battle. 
Uh, right now we have uh, Brother Rick on the line, and we want to continue with him and discuss about the idea that children are or are not accountable for their sin. So, Dr. Buckner. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, in, with Rick's perspective, though, uh, when you talk about Catholicism, they're saying that they are accountable and that <clears throat> they need to be sprinkled in order to uh, not be held accountable for their sins. That's what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. Now, uh, let me. Uh, you, you're there, Rick. You're there. I'm okay. Here. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure. <clears throat> but a New Testament scripture. I want everybody to make a note of this. A New Testament scripture that gives this a black eye, and very few Christians uh, come across it or they miss it. And if you look in your Bibles at Romans chapter seven, Romans chapter seven. I trust you have your Bibles. To look at it, <clears throat> it says in Romans chapter 7, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin sprang up or revived, and I died. Now, let's do an, an exegetical uh, study of this. Let's look at what he's saying in the first part of this verse. For I was alive without the law once. Now, when was that? That's the critical question. When was he uh, alive apart from the law, where the law did not touch him? It wasn't when he was a Pharisee because the law condemned him <clears throat> Excuse me, as a Pharisee. It wasn't when he became a Christian because he died to sin. So when was he alive apart uh, without uh, the law? When, when was this? When he was a child. That's the only thing what this means in the context here. And then he says when the commandments came, that's when he came to the age of accountability uh, which varies with various people, you know, in, uh, you know, Old Testament, the uh, young boys would go to war at 12 years of age, and Jesus started doing things at 12. And so, uh, and then some people uh, are more accountable even younger than that. <clears throat> you take somebody like Matthew uh, Henry, um, he actually, uh, who did the New Testament uh, Old Testament, New Testament commentary, he knew that he could read the Bible all the way through at five years of age. So sometimes it depends on one's maturity. Now, uh, I do want to say this, add to your question, is that if you do a word study on David, you'll find that when he had sinned and committed adultery and murder, God said, the sword will not depart from your house. And it and it did not, you know. David uh, went through the judgment the rest of his life, even though he repented, you know, uh, you know that sort of thing. He still uh, there was consequences. I want to say that there's always consequences to sin, and uh, so what happened with one of those consequences is that uh, the kid, one of the kids, the kids that he had, one of the kids that he had with Bathsheba. Uh, that son died, uh, and David said, 
where he's at, I will go to one day. <laughs> that lets you know that uh, kids are under the grace of God. And, and then you look at Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, uh, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. They are already under the grace and kingdom of God. And we dare not try to label them as being uh, sinners lost uh, until they reach that age of accountability, uh, because that's something very important. So hopefully that helps and adds some insight to uh, your question. Amen. Yeah, and I realize it's not a matter of the of, of a certain number, but it's a, it's a matter. It's a function of maturity, depending on who that person is. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so. a it's a point of conviction. Yeah. Yes. My, my piggyback, my pay piggyback, something around uh, Sophia. Uh yes. Yeah, because uh, one one of the things that so- Sophia brought up, which was very interesting, is the mikvah. Mm-hmm. And the mikvah is also uh, mentioned in the New Testament pertaining to Mary. Mm-hmm. After after Jesus was born, Mary went through the purification process, which uh, many Jews know as the mikvah. So uh, what what happened there was uh, that uh, Mary w- Mary was a normal Jewish woman who uh, who who, was, who, who uh, the Catholics worship who the Catholics worship, but the mikvah indicates that she is just as much of a sinner as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's a good point because she had to go through that uh, ritual of uh, purification, and then also. The Bible is very clear in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I think that uh, while we have you on the line, too, Jim wanted to say something because he grew up uh, as a Catholic. Jim, why don't you say something? Yeah, first thing I'd like to say is I think you just exploded my head tonight because Romans 7 is is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it just makes it so real to us as believers. Yes. About sin and so on. And here was this man of God, uh, you know, Paul. Uh, but, but this this verse nine, I just I don't never seen it like that before. It's just it's really something. Then um, he says, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, became sin al- alive. I'm sorry, when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. Meaning that when he became, when he knew the conviction of sin, that's when mm-hmm. he then became accountable. Yes. And that's it's so clear to me now. Looking at that, thank you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but in in regards to growing up Catholic, I I was telling Doctor Buckner in the break that that you know I didn't get a whole lot of theological teaching except that I did have a very strong sense of what was taught was that if you as a sinner as a as a young child you know that we were sinners and that I the only way to get forgiveness from that sin was to go to confession, confess that sin to a priest, receive your penance. And then go, and the penance was always a prayer, which later on I, I found very confusing because, you know, talking to your creator should not be a penance. That, that should be something that we would desire to do. That should be, that should be a joy, a glory, not, not a, a penance. But that's what we did. We went off and we said uh, some rote prayers, Hail Marys, Our Fathers, and so on, and uh, – and then we then we were released from the burden of that sin at that point. Uh, but I uh, I really now look back at that experience as a Catholic and just really wish that the Church had taught me the proper theology, taught me who I was in Christ. 
and what Christ meant to me. Mm-hmm. Amen. Appreciate that. Uh, that really adds some additional insight, uh, adding your experience uh, up your, with your upbringing. Well, Rick, thank you so much for your call and always your good questions. Amen. I look forward, look forward to talking again. Amen, brother. God bless you, and have a blessed evening. God bless. God All bless. right. We'll see you, Rick. Okay. Well, should we go on to uh, CC? CC, are you there? Yeah, yes, I'm here. All right. How, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. How are you guys doing? Well, we're truly blessed. We trust that you got uh, encouraged by the Word tonight. Yeah, it was so it was so much meat. I was trying to I was I wanted to try to grasp all of it, but it's it's impossible. You know what I'm saying? Because you was you you laid out so much in such a little time. You know, say so you laid out so many points, and it was I was trying to soak up as much as I can. I was trying to get all of it, but you know. Hey Amen. Did you? Well, let me ask you this: Did you get the acronym for unity? The acronym? Um, yeah, I, I did. I wrote it down. Oh, good, good. Well, that's important. Oh, yeah, I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote that down, so I make sure I wouldn't forget I wrote that down. Oh, good. Yes, I did. Yes, good. I did. So what is one thing that stood out to you before we get to your question? What what really ministered to you? Well, what ministered to me again is when you talked about the division, because I'm always, I mean, it's always division among people and the trouble that takes place, you know, saying among families, friends, churches, whatever, it's always something going on or somebody getting killed or something happening and you laid it down straight that you know the people um that they, they're not they never, they're not walking with god and you said when, when god's in an equation and, and we make him the lord of our life then that's that's and then you talked about walking in love too like how you talked about um how um love is in the center just like first first corinthians chapter i think you said first first corinthians chapter 13 you said when love is in the center of everything, that's, that's, that's what is going to bring that unity. And, and we understand that God is love, you know, and so it's very powerful. And with that absence, we see that in our community with the violence, the, the decisions. It's everywhere, families, friends, marriages, and it's, and it's the absence of, of the Lord and the immorality that's taking place, as you mentioned. Amen. Uh, well said. Well said. Thank you so much for that input. And then uh, we had been talking for a couple of weeks about uh, getting back to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, correct. That's correct. Uh-huh. And w- what would you like to know about that verse? Just give me some help on it. You know, um, exactly um, what the Apostle Paul um, speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, to the Church of Corinth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we, when, anytime we look at the word uh, uh, prophecy, uh, make a note of this. This is interesting. There is a difference between forth tell and foretell. Uh, there's a difference between the two. A foretell is something that the 17 prophets and the prophets of the uh, Old Testament, New Testament, that did and they and that was the office the office no longer is in operation but the prophetic gift is still in operation today so we want to always make that correction and say that uh, make a distinction between forth uh, foretell and forth tell forth tell is when you prophesy 
uh, and you and when it says you know it got these uh, words broken up, prophesy it, and then edification, and then exhortation and comfort. So let's look at each one of these words. So we're going to look at the first one because, you know, we say that the, one of the reasons why I said the office of cease is because, you know, when you look at Hebrews chapter um, 1, it says, in past time God spoke to the, through the prophets, but in these last days he speaks to us through his son. And so the, when you use the word, when he uses the word, the apostle Paul prophesieth, it's another word for preaching. So you want to make a note of that. It's another word for preaching. When, you do, when the pastors and evangelists and leaders in the church uh, bring a message, this they are prophesying, in other words, preaching. And then edification. What is edification? Do you know what the word edification means? Is it to build up? Yes, that's exactly what it is. The word edification means to build up in truth. So let's put it all like this. Preaching in truth, edification, building up in truth, exhortation, encouraging in obedience to the truth. And then if you're doing all of those, then you're going to be naturally comforting people in the truth by exercising the gifts of grace. So people need, they don't need complaints. They don't need complacency. They don't need all of these things. That's negative. They need to be comforted. And we, the Apostle Paul says, you know, we have been comforted by Christ. Therefore, we are to comfort others, one another, and we do that through exercising these gifts, the prophesying, which is preaching the truth, edification, building up in the truth. See, a lot of times when we talk about uh, edification, we don't add to that truth because that's the only way you're going to really um, edify somebody is to do it with truth. And who's the truth? John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So add truth to all of these, and then you comfort in truth. And you comfort with truth in the time of trouble. We're living in a troubled, in a troubled world today. We're living in, a, in homes that are troubled, churches that are troubled, the world that is troubled, all around us today. And we think about young men getting killed by gang violence. <clears throat> young men getting killed <clears throat> by police and killing police and uh, people doing all sorts of killings and, and schools and universities and restaurants and concerts and all that stuff. It's because there is no God in their lives. That's the bottom line to it all. You know, you can talk about building uh, more uh, shelters, having counseling here and and feeding people, <clears throat> no, you need to feed them the Word of God first and foremost. People need to get right with God because the Bible says, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not kill. You know, nothing else that will dictate that in our world today because people are just killing, uh, killing even their own parents. But a lot of these kids are growing up and affluent kids and poor kids. And then you're looking at the a matriot world, 
rather than the patriot world. Fathers, a lot of fathers are not in the home. We got to get back to God, get back to the things God calls us to do. Well, my brother, uh, we're almost out of time. Give us a quick synopsis of what you'd like for us to pray for, and then we're going to have Jim to pray, and then we're going to close out. Me, my family, Rosalinda, and um, just however you want to pray for me. And then pray for Eddie Murphy and John Travolta, those uh, celebrities. They need, they need thinking. I mean, prayer. I mean, prayer. And my mother, Rosalinda. All righty. We're going to have it, Brother Jim to do that. And thank you for your call, CC. All right. Well, Father in heaven, we uh, we thank you for CC. We thank you for his family, specifically Rosalinda. Lord, we pray for Eddie Murphy and John Travolta that you would bring the truth of your love to them. And, uh, and Father, we thank you for all the many gifts that you give us. And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, we've come to the end of another exciting broadcast, and we would like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being a part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are always an encouragement, so please drop us a note and let us know how this program has blessed you. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.